Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brenda Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorneys Fred Karlinski and Katie Webb from the law firm of Kalodny Foss, Talenfeld, Karlinski & Abate, PA, with offices in Fort Lauderdale and Tallahassee, Florida. Fred is a shareholder with the firm and is also a frequent speaker, author, and adjunct professor on all insurance-related matters. Katie Webb is a partner of the firm involved primarily in lobbying and regulatory work. We're pleased to have you with us both today. Our topic is the recently passed Senate Bill 408 in Florida and its impact on the property and casualty insurance industry in the state. And Brendan Noonan will lead off today with our first question. Fred, can you talk about the significance of this bill and how this impacts the state and policyholders? Absolutely, Brendan. And thanks to you and John and the rest of the team at AMBest for hosting this podcast. 408 was highly debated and criticized throughout the legislative process, and now that it has been signed into law by the governor, it is equally important to analyze what are the changes to the Florida statutes and how they will not only impact the Florida insurance marketplace, but also the global insurance and reinsurance marketplace. Directly to your question, Brendan, there are fundamental problems plaguing the Florida insurance industry. The passage of 408 is the first step in attempting to restore Florida's insurance marketplace. The amendments to the Florida statutes begin to address some of the problems, including revisions to the statutes relating to public adjusters, new time limits for bringing in action for breach of an insurance contract, claims filing deadlines for windstorm or hurricane claims, as well as the handling of sinkhole claims. One of the most significant provisions of 408 is the legislative intent provision. The provision states that it's the intent of the legislature to clarify language adopted by the 2005 legislature in order to reduce sinkhole claims and disputes. These provisions contained within 408 are significant as many interested parties believe that this may provide a way for the procedural changes in the bill to operate retroactively. This is going to be a highly debated and litigated issue, though. We've already seen strategizing by both defense and plaintiff bars on how to tackle this issue. Senator Mike Fasano, who was an opponent of the bill all throughout session, has already executed an affidavit attesting to the 2005 legislative intent on behalf of the entire 2005 legislative body as requested by the plaintiff's bar. Insurance companies are looking for answers on how to apply this language in their handling of claims. I wouldn't be surprised if Senator Fasano sponsors future legislation attempting to alter these provisions. Our current system in Florida is still dangerously unstable, and if more is not done in the future, then this instability will likely lead to severe financial impact on Florida's future because of the assessments from both the CAT fund as well as citizens in addition to any guarantee fund assessments. This bill... 408 is really just step one in the process. Uh, Katie, will the passing of this bill mean increased rates for policyholders? No. Uh, John, thank you very much for that question because that was a very highly debated topic uh, throughout the legislative session, and and uh, it's been an issue that has been reported in the press course. But basically, that is simply nothing more than political rhetoric. The opponents of this legislation 
used uh, political rhetoric and scare tactics in their attempt to kill this bill. Um, they claim that the bill would increase insurance rates and make it harder for a consumer to find affordable insurance, but these allegations are simply unfounded. The largest single rider of sinkhole coverage in Florida is Citizens. Citizens claims data for the years 2005 through 2009 shows a large deficiency in the premiums Citizens collects to cover sinkhole losses, particularly in the most active areas. For example, in 2009, for Citizens, the total sinkhole losses for closed and open claims combined increased from $209 million in 2006 to $406 million in 2009. And the total losses for open and closed claims exceeded $1.4 billion over that four-year period. The statewide peer premium for sinkhole coverage was $295, quadruple the $73 premium that citizens was allowed to charge for sinkhole coverage. In an industry, it's imperative to strike a balance between low premiums for the consumers and sustainability and viability for the marketplace. The new law exempts rates for sinkhole coverage for citizens from their 10% rate increase cap. This is the only provision in the entire bill that directly uh, relates to insurance rates or an increase in insurance rates. In fact, the goals of the new law are to minimize sinkhole fraud, draw new insurance companies into the state, and alleviate the uncertainty regarding the length of time in which to bring a catastrophic claim, which will ultimately reduce premiums, we hope, in the private market. Once again, we must read through the lines of what the politicians say and stick to the facts. And uh, this bill has been dubbed the cost driver bill by many in the industry because it addresses what many believe are cost drivers in the insurance marketplace. And because it addresses those cost drivers, there's a good chance that it may decrease rates rather than increase rates. So, Fred, will this bill make it easier to possibly attract some new insurance companies who currently don't insure in Florida? Well, John, as, as you and the listeners know, after the 04 and 05 hurricane seasons, which were devastating in Florida, uh, and Florida was hammered with a series of storms, insurers gauged future risks and began uh, rightfully reducing their exposure in Florida. This obviously caused an increase in insurance premiums and made it more difficult for the citizens of Florida to find a carrier that was willing to write their coverage. In 2006, uh, the political solution was to start the ball rolling against, really, the insurance industry. And the passage of, in 2007, of House Bill 1A, which really left the state's taxpayers to assume much of the risk for future catastrophic damage by increasing the availability of citizens and increasing the exposure of the Florida Hurricane Catastrophe Fund. This scenario has the potential to cripple Florida's economy and state government. The people of Florida, the insurers and reinsurers, really have to work together to attract new insurance companies into the state to relieve some of this burden. The new law that was passed increases surplus requirements from $5 million, which they are currently, to $15 million for new insurers in the state of Florida and increases surplus requirements for current residential property insurers to $10 million by 2016 and $15 million by 2021. In addition, insurers will now be allowed to pay actual cash value less the deductible for dwelling repairs. They will also be required to offer replacement cost value for contents, but the insurer may offer a policy with holdback and one without holdback, a pay-me-now versus a pay-me-later structure. 
One other amendment that will hopefully be helpful to bring stability to the market is the provision that a residential property insurer may make a separate filing limited solely to an adjustment for reinsurance, financing costs incurred in the purchase of reinsurance, and the actual cost paid due to the application of the cash buildup factor in the FHCF. However, while the industry and really citizens of the state of Florida should be very appreciative of these changes, if we truly want to bring back more insurance companies in the state of Florida and stabilize Florida insurance marketplace, much more aggressive modifications are necessary in the future. Katie, how does this impact the state's sinkhole issues and cases? Well, sinkhole issues were one of the hottest topics uh, on the insurance agenda during the 2011 legislative session. Prior to the session, the Office of Insurance Regulation released a report of a sinkhole data call that indicated sinkhole losses in Florida are simply out of control. The report indicated sinkhole claims could threaten the solvency of domestic insurers and destabilize the marketplace in its entirety. The new law redefines what would qualify as structural damage caused by a sinkhole, and it also provides that claims for sinkhole damage must be filed within two years after a policyholder knew or reasonably should have known about the loss. Specifically, what that was meant to address were situations where insureds may be encouraged to file a claim on a prior policy that had the most coverage available for sinkholes. So they've added in the two-year provision to specifically address that issue. New regulations for sinkhole testing were also established in the new law, and policyholders will be required to enter into a contract for repair of sinkhole damages within 90 days of settlement of the claim, and those repairs must be completed within 12 months. All repairs for sinkhole damages must be completed in accordance with the recommendations of the insurer's engineer report, which is a significant difference from the current state of the law. If the insurer's engineering report indicates that the damage cannot be repaired within policy limits, then the insurer must complete the repair or tender the policy limits to the insured. Policyholders are prohibited from accepting rebates for sinkhole repairs, and persons making sinkhole repairs are prohibited from offering rebates. And the intent of the new law is to decrease sinkhole fraud or questionable claims and create reasonable expectations for all parties. The new law is designed to make repairing sinkholes more efficient and to help eliminate loopholes in the insurance law that provide an incentive for insurance fraud or suspicious claims. This will ultimately decrease insurance premiums, which all in all is a win for the insured. And Fred, can you comment on Florida's rating law and how that's affected? Absolutely, John. Florida statutes specify the rate filing process for property and casualty insurers and provides rating standards for those insurers. The rating law applies to property and casualty insurance and prohibits rates that are excessive, inadequate, or unfairly discriminatory. Those are the three standards. The law specifies what constitutes an excessive, inadequate, or unfairly discriminatory rate. Laura's rating law is, again, the balance in the industry between low consumer premiums versus the viability and stability of the insurance marketplace. Senate Bill 408 extended the moratorium on use and file rate increases for property uh, insurance until May 1, 2012. Previously, the statute banning use and file had sunsetted on December 31, 2011. The extension on the moratorium was included in 2010's 
Senate Bill 2044, which was ultimately vetoed by then-Governor Charlie Crist. The OIR will be required, in addition to um, the prior change, will be required to issue an approval or a notice of intent to disapprove of a file-and-use filing within 90 days after submission. 408 also provides that the certification made on an initial rate filing would not be rendered false if the insurer provides the OIR with additional or supplementary information pursuant to a formal or informal request from the OIR, provided that the actuary primarily responsible for preparing and submitting such additional or supplementary information provides the required certification for the additional or supplementary information. Additionally, Senate Bill 408 also amends the current law allowing insurers that purchase reinsurance or financing products from an affiliated company may make a separate filing only if the cost for such reinsurance or financing products are charged at or below uh, rates for comparable coverage from an unaffiliated reinsurer. The bill also expands the current expedited reinsurance filing process to include all reinsurance costs and allows for a 15% increase rather than a 10% increase. The goal of these changes, while primarily technical in nature, is really to make the filing process more efficient and more practical for insurers and consumers alike. Uh, Katie, what is the general consensus from insurance companies about the passing of this bill, and uh, how did the passing of this bill impact citizens? Well, Brennan, as Fred stated earlier, this is a good first step and a good starting point. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done. I believe that a lot of insurance companies would take a position to actually stabilize Florida's insurance market. While this new law will definitely help, there are still major changes that need to be addressed in the future legislative sessions. One of those issues is, is what you just mentioned, it's Citizens Property Insurance Corporation. And there were some amendments to the Florida statutes relating to citizens, such as allowing citizens to issue policies restricting sinkhole coverage to dwellings only on or after January 1st, 2012, and exempting rates for sinkhole coverage from the citizens' 10% rate increase cap. Other than that, the bill had minimal impact on uh, citizens, and in particular on the size of citizens. The major bill that would have revamped citizens and minimized the size of citizens did not pass. Citizens is the largest insurer of homes and property in Florida with over 1.3 million policies and with an exposure of over $457 billion and a claims paying capacity of just over $14 billion. This leaves a deficit in the event of a catastrophic event, and the current financial exposure to the state and its taxpayers creates a state of crisis which has contributed to the current instability of the Florida insurance market. But generally speaking, I would say uh, people think this is a good first step, but there is a lot more reform that's needed for a truly healthy marketplace, and we agree with Governor Scott that citizens really need to be returned to the insurer of last resort and that would play a major part in stabilizing Florida's insurance market. Okay, Fred and Katie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, John. You've just listened to Fred Karlinski and Katie Webb from the law firm of Colony Fast, Talonfeld, Karlinski and Abate, PA, with offices in Fort Lauderdale and Tallahassee, Florida. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. 
To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about BEST's directory of recommended insurance attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 